You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Saints. Today we are talking about St. Philip Neri. I'm Taylor Kemp, the director of Formed, and with me is the venerable Dr. <laughs> Carl Benestrom. I'm glad that I'm already venerable. That's incredible. That's awesome. You've you already made it along. <laughs> yeah. You are on the path to sainthood. The sanctifying grace of Christ is in you. Um, Agreed. So that is good. Okay, so Dr. Uh, Venestrom, what do you teach here at the Augustine Institute? I teach church history, so primarily patristics, uh, especially sort of on the Eastern side. Okay. And dear to St. Philip Neri's heart, monasticism. Monasticism. Early church. Yeah, that's nice. a, an interest of mine. So. Okay, that is a nice yeah. segue. So today we are talking about St. Philip Neri. Uh, where, should, where, where shall we begin? Well, you, we can begin with me, I guess, because okay. I uh, I got married on his feast day, May 26th. So, um, and my first son is named Philip after St. Philip Neri. Was, was the marriage on his feast day intentional or did that just happen to shake out? Uh, it kind of just happened to shake out, yeah. yeah. That's province. Yeah, we were like, yeah, trying to find, I forget all the details, but ultimately part of it was going to Rome. So I had like a, a summer fellowship where... St. Philip Neri is, mm -hmm. is an important person. So S Say more. Why is he an important person? Yeah, so he spent the like l the last 60 years of his life in Rome, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, between about 20 and 80, between those years. Um, and so there are multiple churches that are important in his story, and uh, his body is interred in, in one of them, Chiesa Nuovo. Mm -hmm. um, and he's called the Apostle to Rome. Okay. Because uh, Rome, being a Christian city, uh, had lost its way in, in a lot of respects and needed a new apostle. I mean, it's uh, he's kind of an appropriate saint. I think I, th I think about this often that he's kind of an appropriate saint for the Augustine Institute to, okay. to hold on to because of, because of the new evangelization. This yes. idea. Okay. To, uh, uh, for what reasons? Yeah. So he desired to, in kind of the middle of his life after his uh, group had gotten started, he and his friends had this desire to go to India and preach and be mm -hmm. martyred. And mm -hmm. this is a sort of good and classic desire for saints to have. Um, and he went to a Cistercian who was nearby and got the advice that uh, Rome was his India. Mm. Um, so it is, it is sometimes a difficult thing to be called just simply to where one is rather than yeah. the ends of the earth. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So he had to he had to stay put and evangelize uh, the people who needed it from him. I guess. Nice. Okay, yeah. so let's let's back up a little bit to before. What are we? Yes. Um, yeah. Do you know when he was born? Yeah, he was born fifteen fifteen, okay. uh, the same year as uh, Saint Teresa of Avila. Oh. Um, yeah. Very nice. Okay, yeah. and that is. Uh, 1515 is very near to the the famous Protestant Reformation. In That's right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And so, yeah. And there's certain elements of, well, yeah. So it, he's he's part of this reform too. And then there's the Counter Reformation. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, Can you define for us what the Counter Reformation is? Yeah. This is the response of the Catholic Church to the Reformation. Okay. So uh, the Council of Trent is an important aspect of that, mm -hmm. uh, responding to the um, challenging of Catholic doctrine that, that came from the Protestants. Okay. Um, and 
Yeah, and it might be helpful to think uh, about St. Philip Neri in terms of other saints. Uh, we were just talking about St. John Henry Newman. Mm-hmm. He has these really, this, this wonderful set of sermons that he gives about St. Philip Neri. Uh, John Henry Newman is in the Oratory, which is this uh, congregation that St. Philip Neri started. Anyways, he, he says you should think about him in terms of St. Benedict, mm-hmm. sorry, St. Dominic, St. Benedict, and then uh, St. Ignatius. So the reasons he says this are sort of historical. Um, St. Philip Neri, born 1515 uh, in Florence, Mm -hmm. uh, was raised uh, in the faith at San Marco, which is a really famous, uh, uh, not an abbey, but uh, uh, a house of Dominicans. So a a lot of the really famous paintings by Fra Angelico Mm -hmm. are at at St. Mark, and there was, uh, be- before uh, before Philip Neri's life, uh, Savonarola, mm-hmm. this fiery Dominican preacher, uh, kind of moralist who mm-hmm. hated a lot of the Renaissance decadence, uh, was, was very important, and he was condemned and then killed, but mm-hmm. his sort of reforming spirit lived on. Um, and anyways, St. Philip Neri credited the education he received from the Dominicans. Okay. With sort of everything for his life, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't uh, Saint Philip Neri keep a portrait of Savonarola on his desk? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so this he, is he was clearly impacted by Savonarola. Definitely. And after Savonarola's death, decades after, and I mean he died before Philip was born, uh, his teachings came up for condemnation, mm-hmm. and Saint Philip prayed very fervently that he wouldn't be condemned mm. and, he, and he wasn't in the end but yeah still a very controversial figure mm-hmm. um and then then sorry go ahead well i was just going to say and, and savonarola as uh dr benistrom just said is well he was a, a reforming figure in florence he was uh, famous for the fire of vanities where he he basically yeah, invites yeah. everyone to kind of shed the decadence of the renaissance that this isn't true to the gospel and just burn it yeah and people right. did yeah, and they like just burning your, your, yeah, your like, beatles tapes or whatever uh, yes. <laughs> yeah throw in the dresses <laughs> yeah. throw in the china uh, get rid of it all this isn't all gospel poverty art. throw yeah. it all in there and people did and he called people to conversion yeah and they responded uh, and then it's interesting because St. Philip Neri becomes very much known as a, a, a reforming saint, but he goes about it in a very different way. But he was nevertheless right. inspired right. by yeah. uh, Savonarola. So we're, we are continuing to get ahead. So he's inspired by Savonarola and, as you yeah. said, the Dominicans. And then Right, yeah, but, but there is this difference. I think uh, John Henry Newman says, he, he quotes the line from Scripture, he didn't break a bruised reed. Yeah. So this is the big difference between him and there, like, the fire preachers. There's a mildness preachers. in him. Yeah, he's perhaps. kind of this saint of gentleness yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. And then the next one would be uh, the Benedictines, or St. Benedict. So he was near Monte Cassino for mm-hmm. a while. And he has this kind of real monastic spirit, even though he never became a monk. Mm-hmm. He eventually became a secular priest, but uh, he was given to long periods of contemplation and a kind of hidden but intense asceticism. Mm-hmm. Um, he's known as sort of this jokester saint, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, he... he he had a strict regime of fasting, mm-hmm. and uh, he loved the sayings of the Desert Fathers. Mm-hmm. So, oh, as, near and dear to your heart. Yeah, yeah, which I love also. And, and a lot of those stories, I, I don't know if you read them now, they can seem, I don't know, sort of like grotesquely intense or something. Uh-huh. Like, 
Um, but but this is something that deeply fascinated him and, and shaped him. So mm-hmm. Benedict would be the next one. There's this monastic spirit. Even though he was never a monk um, and never lived in a community, a monastic community, exactly. But that was very important. And then when you get to Rome, uh, so when he moves to Rome when he's 20, uh, he meets St. Ignatius, actually. Mm-hmm. So they had a deep admiration and respect for each uh, other. For each other, um, and so Newman wants us to see these two together. And actually, uh, Ignatius said of Saint Philip Neri that he's the the bell of the uh, society mm-hmm. because uh, while he wasn't running his own thing yet, uh, Saint Philip Neri sent so many young men to the Society of Jesus to the to the Jesuits. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they both had this fervent desire to to teach and preach, but in very different ways. Right. And they also had um, a keen sense for the difference between just doing ascetic things, fasting, uh, keeping vigil, mm-hmm. and the difference between just the acts themselves, but then also having this kind of mental discipline over mm-hmm. your thoughts um, and over pride especially. So say a little bit more there. So we're, we're contrasting a little bit about external asceticism, but then he was, what did he always say? Um, he would take three fingers and tap his forehead. I don't know this one. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> the, I can't remember the exact story, but he would say um, that the greatest mortification is of the mind. Hmm, and and yeah. he would say that that is what was so necessary like for people of that day. Um, I wanted to add a little commentary. There was something that I was thinking of when you were talking about his kind of uh, love of the monastic life, mm. though never being a monk. But it's very fitting, too, that he was formed by the Benedictines and, mm. and had this. Uh, but I remember in reading the life of Benedict that one of the lines that stuck out to me is after Benedict had been in the desert and had been in his cell in the cave for a long time and he came out and there was something that his faith, he, he retained his radiance and, mm. and kind of just humanity. Like he wasn't completely a shell of himself because he had been living in a cave yeah, for so that's long. Right. And there's something about St. Philip that he, he was taking on penances and he, he lived a very disciplined life, yet he had this very joyful, jovial, easygoing spirit where you would probably not guess that he was this incre- a, a very disciplined man interiorly. Yeah. Um, and that living the Christian life in the way that God calls us makes us more human. It doesn't turn you into some zombie. Yeah, who's that's exhausted right. exhausted all the time, yeah. Yeah, and there's, uh, and I think p- part of that's on purpose for him. Uh, he deeply despised the limelight, even though he was Mm -hmm. this very vivacious, sort Mm -hmm. of attractive personality. And uh, once he became more famous and people were coming to him all the time, he sort of used jokes and irony and all this kind of stuff to deflect from the attention because he wanted his sort of his his mystical uh, relationship to God to be mystical, to be hidden, to be secret, uh, and to be sort of intimate and... And so when there are these sort of famous ladies or whatever coming to him, he, he <laughs> or would. Or popes and cardinals. Or popes and cardinals, yeah. yeah. Or other saints, St. Saint Charles Borromeo. Yep. Um, but yeah, anyways, I think part of the, the, the joking and, and, and this kind of thing is uh, to keep his life with God secret mm-hmm. and, and not to be shown yep. for everyone. So I want to provide, continue to give a little bit of a grounding for the listeners. So he's born in 1515. Yeah. Um, he is formed by the Dominicans. Uh, then he goes to the Benedictine school, uh, and then he goes to Rome. 
Uh, so, so what's going on for him uh, one, once he gets to Rome, which uh, was around 1534? Yeah, so uh, this is interesting because he gets to Rome and he doesn't necessarily have like a great plan for mm-hmm. what he's going to do. He ends up being a tutor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wanted to add, sorry, the Rome is yeah. in shambles. Yeah. At this yeah, point. yeah, yeah the yeah. Rome <laughs> that he comes to is not the Rome we think of. It's a total mess. Yeah, yeah. It's been sort of ravaged by the Spaniards and the mm-hmm. Germans, I think. Um, yeah. So it's in a kind of sorry state. But there are a lot of Florentines there mm-hmm. who value above all sort of culture and beauty and all the things that Savonarola really despised. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's a, a tutor. He lives a very modest life and he he's also called the Roman Socrates by some because mm. he just sort of wanders around and like talks to people. So mm. anytime there's sort of a group, he's like in the group, mm-hmm. like poking and prodding <laughs> people. And but he was so attractive as a personality, people like accepted the fact that he was going to say something a little biting that like pricked their conscience. But he could get away that with it. That was sort of part of the fun is yeah. that, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of this for a long time and he uh, people just follow him around. So he, he eventually uh, attaches himself to this priest and they're part of this congregation. Um, uh, who 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 value frequent communion, mm-hmm. uh, frequent frequent which was not common, which was time. not common at the time, and these individual kind of prayer prayer meetings, mm-hmm. um, and so eventually he has these people following him, and someone suggests that he becomes a priest, and he mm-hmm. has never considered this idea, mm-hmm. but he says like okay fine, and he's been sort of educated mm-hmm. already, so he is quickly ordained a priest. Um, and then well, one of the practices was for like in the late afternoon or early evening uh, that uh, people would come up to his room and he had a tiny room, but in this church, uh, but they would, they would, they would read from scripture or from like the sayings of desert fathers and talk. And mm-hmm. he valued above all getting other people to talk. So this, mm. that's kind of a, a part of the Socratic element, getting other people mm-hmm. to talk about these things. Um, and then they would take these long walks and oftentimes to uh, different churches mm-hmm. throughout Rome. Yeah, he made famous the seven church pilgrimage, correct? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, um, you know, he, he was a great precursor to St. John Bosco as kind of an apostle mm-hmm. to the youth. Yep. Uh, and there, there's something so practical and that St. Philip Neri was like, well, you're not going to get a bunch of young kids to just sit around and talk about God or sit in church. Let's that's go right. for a walk. And yeah. We'll talk about it. And you're like, yeah, that's so human and it makes so yeah. much sense. Yeah. And there's there's stories like um, one of his eventual students, uh, Baronius, was mm-hmm. a, a very serious scholar. So he was working uh, silently and there's all this noise from uh saint philip neri's room and it's these boys like making a ruckus and so he comes up and chastises them Mm -hmm. and saint philip neri responds that if they're staying away from sin they can chop wood on my back for all i care (laughs) so it's like he he can deal with all the like the yelling and the shouting yeah when he put first things first like yeah exactly i I just want these boys to not be getting into trouble yeah that's exactly right and uh yeah which is kind of like a scene from the sayings of the desert, desert fathers. Mm-hmm. There's there's these principles, but they need to be applied. And he was a kind of genius mm. at applying them in a way that could get people, could mm-hmm. hook them. Um, I want to talk about a couple other things too during um, his time in Rome. Uh, one is he has a deep mystical experience mm. um, at some point while he's there. Did you want to dive into that? If not, I'm happy to recount. Yeah, that's right. So uh, 
in general, especially as he progressed through life, uh, he had a hard time talking about spiritual topics or celebrating mass without going into a kind of ecstasy mm -hmm. in his prayer. Um, and one instance of this uh, was a sort of descent of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. upon him, which resulted in the physical enlargening mm -hmm. of his heart and the like breaking of ribs, yep. which then like healed in a sort of bump mm -hmm. <laughs> over his heart, if, if that's right. Yeah. Um, and another result of this is like he was always warm. Uh -huh. So like he would do these vigils outside in the freezing cold, yeah. but like being like shorts and a t-shirt as mm -hmm. it were. Um, and I think people could hear his heart. That's right. People beating. could hear his heart. Um, yeah. And I think he was in the catacombs when this happened. Cause I think he was, yeah. he had a great, I mean, he, I think by his own accord, he was called an urban hermit. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause he spent in Rome and I believe this was before he was ordained a priest. Yep. And then it continued on after he was ordained a priest, but he would, he loved going into the catacombs mm -hmm. and praying at the tombs of the saints and the martyrs. Uh, and it was during that time that I think, a, I think as he, he recounts, a ball of fire yeah. entered into his, through his mouth, into his chest. And then that's where the expansion of his heart happened. And then, so uh, this is a man clearly marked by a, a deep mystical union with Christ. Mm -hmm. And then it's lived out in a, like a beautiful, yeah. joyful, kind of jovial spirit. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Um, just a couple other things that I know have been famous about him is he, he was known also as a, just a great confessor, um, mm -hmm. and would devote hours and hours and hours to the confessional, mm -hmm. um, which was beautiful. Uh, and then, you know, as you said earlier that he, he really, I think he started the seven church devotion That's right. of, of taking people around and he was. Um, I believe that that started, there was a Jubilee year and all of a sudden mm. thousands of pilgrims were coming to Rome mm. uh, and they, they needed help. They, they need people to take care of them. They needed guidance. And he was like, this is a, you know, I can serve this group. And he started mm. taking people around on the seven church uh, pilgrimage, which is just great. Yeah. Very it's a really active, beautiful thing. Yeah. Practical devotion. Yeah. The other thing worth mentioning is that he, f he founded kind of accidentally the, the oratory, which yeah. is a congregation of secular priests. So okay. it's not a religious order with vows. Can you also define what is a secular priest? Yeah, a secular priest would be like your parish priest okay. who's under the authority of the bishop and mm -hmm. yeah, your 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 standard priest, yep. not in the Benedictines, not in the Dominicans. Right. I remember the, the first time I read secular priest, I was like, I'm lost. Yeah. What in the world is a secular yeah. priest? <laughs> A priest, a priest of the who world? listens to Kanye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, not quite. Yes. Okay. So he he founded the oratory, which is a congregation of secular priests. Yeah, that's right. So they they live in community together, um, but their congregation is marked by a kind of freedom. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's a, a sort of willing obedience, but uh, it, it doesn't have the same structural elements that other like a religious order would have religious orders. And then might, can yeah. you talk to a, a little bit more about, um, John Henry Newman, who, who takes up the idea of an oratory? Mm -hmm. Um, cause he, John Henry Newman becomes an oratorian, which began yeah. with St. Philip Neri. Um, so he kind of carries on that same concept. Yeah, that's right. So John Henry Newman was an Anglican priest mm -hmm. and uh, a professor or tutor at Oxford. When he converts to Catholicism, 
then mm-hmm. he becomes an oratorian. There's a beautiful oratory in Oxford. Mm. Um, ultimately, I think John Henry Newman founds an oratory in Birmingham. Yes. I think um, yep. And so there's a kind of parallel to St. Philip Neri's life insofar as uh, St. John Henry Newman has a, a, a deep interest in uh, education and uh, teaching children mm-hmm. and, and especially, especially the needy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think one of the chief elements of the Birmingham Oratory was, was that, to mm-hmm. take care of the needy and to take care of education. Yeah. Um, obviously, he writes uh, works on education, and he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's famous for a lot of that. But. And I think with Neary, uh, especially kind of the, the roots of the oratory were very organic, like he right. didn't set out to found an oratory. Exactly. He just kind of started bringing people together, reading spiritual books, and then praying together. And then it, it took yeah. greater form later. But it just, it, 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 I think it serves as a really great model for us today of if, yeah. uh, when we're asking ourselves, how can we disciple people? How can we um, spread the gospel? Well, St. Philip Neri basically was like, let's get some people, go yeah. anywhere. Yeah. It can be a <laughs> bar, it can be a restaurant, yeah. it can be a home, it can be a church. And let's read from the lives of the saints. Let's yeah. read from the gospels and let's talk about it. And then let's hang out. It's like the most basic yeah. small yeah. Group model. <laughs> just like be friends. With yeah. And talk. Yeah. And, and you don't have to know everything. You can yeah. just read from the lives of the saint, open it up and let's talk about it. Yeah, exactly. And even for thinking about uh, what ministry looks like as a lay person, I think it's helpful because he did become a priest, but that was mm-hmm. kind of an accident right. and a necessity. Like, mm-hmm. uh, be- before that, he was doing all this stuff as, as a layperson. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the kind of meetings they had. They, uh, another orator- oratorian, Louis Boyer, says they're sort of a precursor of uh, Protestant revival meetings. Hmm. It's like you just yeah. get together, you read scripture, you talk about it, you sing songs, yeah. um, and you're just together in a kind of community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, good. so all of this is possible. You can meet and pray. You can. Um, <laughs> no one, no one's stopping you from doing no. that. No. <laughs> so it's great to read the lives of saints. A couple of things that I like to kind of distill from his life are one, um, especially when you were contrasting Saint Philip Neri with Saint um, Ignatius of Loyola, is these are two very different saints. Saint Ignatius goes off and mm-hmm. becomes a great missionary, and Saint Philip Neri lives in Rome for sixty years and never yeah. leaves. <laughs> Um, but the, our call is to be holy in the way that the Lord is asking, and mm. that can be a call out to go to places. It can just be to be a missionary at home. Um, but for both of these men, their sainthood lied in obedience to the will of God. Uh, yeah. And that that can take so many different paths, and just to be holy um, and cooperate with the Lord's grace in the place that we are, and then open to what he's asking of us. Uh, yeah. Just a great model. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, and then one, he was just famous for his joy. Or mm-hmm. second is he's very famous for his joy, that this is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he was just great for that. And then kind of to recap our oratory discussion, that this is a model that is uh, eminently, uh, what's the word? Replicable? Yeah, there you, you go. can do it again. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. uh, meet with people. There's, uh, as Catholics, we have a wealth of spiritual books, the sayings of the Desert Fathers, books, writings of the saints, the Gospels. And then all we have to do is get people together to talk about it. You don't have yeah. to know everything about them. It's yeah. just a great model uh, for us that we can live out um, in the day-to-day. So, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Any, any parting thoughts, comments? 
Hmm. Uh, maybe I'll just read from Please. the maxims of St. Philip Neri. Ready for him. Uh, so this is just a bunch of his sayings that were collected. I after didn't know this his. existed. Yeah, it's really neat. It's just one for every day of the year. Um, so I'll read today's. Please. Uh, well, I'll read. I'll read for his feast day. Okay. Uh, because today, this is going on the internet. Today is any day. Yeah, today uh, is any day. That's right. May May twenty sixth. Let us strive after purity of heart, for the Holy Spirit dwells in candid and simple minds. Very good. Amen. It's very good. Thank you, Dr. Vanderstrom, and yeah. thank you all thank of us all. for joining us. We will see you next time on Catholic Saints. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, eBooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.